Good morning and welcome to Spin Class. We're talking politics. Your host, Michael Fragan, here on the Nachum Siegel Network, NachumSiegel.com, and on the NSN app around the world. And I do apologize to the audience. It has been sporadic as of late. There's been a lot going on uh, for me politically, personally, all over the place. And it's sometimes very, very tough to put together a show. Hopefully, uh, we will try and make it a less sporadic. That means a more frequent occurrence. Hopefully, you've missed me a little bit. But this is one of those episodes that we are in the primary preview. The primary preview. And if you didn't know that there was a Democrat or Republican primary in New York coming up on Tuesday, well, you are definitely in the majority. Meaning, putting these primary elections at the end of June, after school has ended, after people are already thinking about other things other than politics... Well, let's just say that if you had suspicions that the powers that be don't really want you to vote, those suspicions would be confirmed by the date of the New York state primaries. And this, of course, was because they couldn't get together, meaning the legislature couldn't figure out how to actually settle on a date for primaries. Primaries used to be in in September. And... According to federal law, it wasn't enough time for ballots and absentee ballots to be printed and sent overseas and sent to military. And they couldn't agree on another time other than the last week in June in order to have primaries. So what's at stake? And we had that. We had this uh, amazing, amazing Donald Trump interview uh, that happened this week with Brett Baer on Fox News. Uh, Brett Baer just showing that uh, Fox News is a fair and balanced network. Uh, I think that uh, is a a credit and testament to the fact that you know he was on there and he asked the tough questions and it wasn't uh, it didn't have the cynicism that you get on some other networks uh, like CNN. But he asked the questions that I think Republicans want to hear. The Republicans want these questions to be asked of Donald Trump. What else we got? Well, we've got. We got that. We got the primary. We've got the inexplicable morass going on amongst Republicans in the in Washington, and I refer specifically to the House, um, where you just have uh, chaos and inability to really. Uh, operate as a cohesive body, as a governing body. And I think, remember, we all know that there's politics and there's governing, and some members of Congress do not want to differentiate between the two. They're there to perform. And I think that that happens going on right now with these impeachment resolutions, which is... uh, And Hunter Biden pleading guilty. And on top of that, and I'm going to start with this, is... uh, Village of Lawrence elections. Now, as you might know, I have a little side hustle, a little side gig that I've had over the last 16 years, which is being a trustee in the incorporated village of Lawrence. I've been fire commissioner, deputy mayor, finance commissioner, et cetera. Other other, uh, assorted portfolios over time, but 16 years is a really long time. We survived Hurricane Irene. We survived Sandy. We survived... Uh, the financial crisis, all kinds of things that have put pressure and you know uh, forced our village to respond over the years. And there are two new trustees coming on. Uh, I, of course, was term limited. 
can't say that I necessarily would have run anyway, because, you know, sometimes you got to know when your time has come. Uh, but two new trustees, uh, my friends, Tammy Rose, Dr. Tammy Rose and Aroni Parnas uh, have been elected and they were uncontested on the ballot. There were some write-ins. I don't know exactly who got some votes. I understand that Donald Trump got some votes to be a village trustee. So kudos to them for stepping up. And, you know, you wonder why somebody takes an unpaid volunteer position that you're basically at the beck and call of your neighbors for so long. And yes, why do you subject yourself to that? Uh, and people think all the time that, well, you got to do this for me because I voted for you. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't feel that way. Uh, I, it's something you take upon yourself. And it's really an amazing question if you think about it for eight terms that I have been in office to go ahead and be able to serve the public. I look at it as a privilege or have looked upon it as a privilege to be able to do that, to be able to accomplish things on behalf of my neighbors and to take give time and my expertise, particularly in government and understanding how government works up and down the food chain from the local, from the hyper-local, which of course is the village, to the town, to the county, to the state, to the federal government, and knowing the interplay and the interchange of how that happens. I've been lucky to serve with uh, three different mayors, all of whom extraordinarily different in their approach. Uh, and, you know, just thinking back to it, you know, I, I want to be a little bit wax nostalgic a little bit. I was appointed by Simon Felder, who was a uh, a neighbor of mine who knew that I wanted to get involved. And Simon Felder was really a pioneer in the Orthodox community. There were other people who were Orthodox and members of some sh of sh Orthodox shuls, but I think to some degree it can be said that he was the first one to be kind of identifiably Orthodox, wear a yarmulke at the meetings, and really come a little more for from the right wing of Orthodoxy. Um, and really accomplished a lot on behalf of the from community here in Lawrence that really makes everybody takes for granted that everything was always here, that Lawrence was always from friendly, that Lawrence was always this place that you could have a shul right next door on your block if you wanted it. Of course, some people don't want that, that there would be an Eruv, there would be all kinds of things, there would be Hatzalah even. That wasn't so simple. Uh, these things took effort and struggle on behalf of many Askanim, like Shimon Felder, like Marty Oliner, also the mayor, uh, who I served with, uh, an international Jewish activist. And these things really took a lot of time and effort and labor and political skill and political sweat to go ahead and accomplish. I mean, things like having the Lawrence Country Club have a kosher caterer. Those were not things that came easy. Those were not things that happened immediately. And, you know, back to 2008, it seems inconceivable now. But when I was appointed back then, and, you know, I had a lot of experience in government at the time. I was involved in politics, both uh, in a volunteer capacity and professionally. And it was, I don't think it was an unnatural choice, but when uh, Shimon Felder that mayor uh, became mayor. He appointed me to his seat, and I'm very grateful for that. Uh, some people say I should be a uh, rueful, but I'm very grateful for that. 
he was criticized because I was too orthodox or because that seat did not not necessarily need to go to an orthodox person because there were already four other people, four orthodox people on the board. And you know, it should go to somebody who represents the entire community as if somehow I would not be a person who could represent the entire community. This is a, a slur that has followed many orthodox people in local governments, whether they be on school boards, they be on village boards and county legislatures, etc., that somehow everybody else of every community, whether you're labor, whether you're Italian, whether you're Irish, whether you're African-American, whether you're Latino, that somehow that's okay for them to be elected. But when it comes to Orthodox Jews, they are only going to look out for their own parochial interests, which is a slur. It's inaccurate. It's offensive. But it continues to happen, and you continue to see it. You even see it in such genteel publications as the New York Times who criticize Orthodox Jews on the school boards, and that happened here. In fact, there was a lawsuit here in the Lawrence School District, which is separate and apart from the village, but the Lawrence School District had had a lawsuit filed against it, which was dismissed in federal court, that Orthodox Jews who don't send their kids to public schools should not be eligible to serve on the local school board. Can you imagine that we have come after 200 years of this country's wonderful founding on the principle of free exercise of religion, that somehow a religious person should not be qualified to serve in public office? And I had that said about me, and I don't want that to be lost on anybody, that that was in 2008. It was not that long ago that in 2008, there were people who objected to me being appointed because I wore a yarmulke and because I daven three times a day, whatever it is the litmus test for being orthodox. That was the case at the time. And it didn't matter because anybody I think who knows me knows that I interact with and serve anyone who comes to my door, anyone proverbially calls me, texts me. I, I think the knock on the door is a metaphoric type of statement, but that is something that I do consistently and always and wholeheartedly. And I have to say, it is, uh, it's troubling that that continues to this day. 16 years later, you still have, when I say 16 years from 2008, of course, it's 2008 inclusive to 2023. So that is 16 years. I know you're probably doing the math at home. And you're saying Fragan doesn't know what he's talking about. He might know something about politics, but he doesn't know anything about math. Why does he say 16 years? So I just want to correct the record for that. So I do want to say it's really uh, uh it's really amazing when you think back about it for so many years, uh, serving the public and putting yourself out there over and over in order to get elected. Um, but in order to remain with that office that allows you to have access to now, personally, I feel like I have access to various people by virtue of my network, but still being in office is definitely allows you to speak with a voice on behalf of the people who elected you and to represent them well. And hopefully over the years, I will do that. So Tammy Rose, Aroni Parnas, I hope that you will do the same for the public and feel that weight of responsibility that you have towards the public. Don't spend too much money. That's always been my thing. You've got to remember it's not your money. It's the people's money. It's not there for you to do with as you wish. 
Okay, well, let's talk for a second about the primaries. And uh, if you are in Queens, uh, you have a primary for DA. Melinda Katz, far and away. I mean, like, don't even think about it. Okay, go out and vote. Vote for Melinda Katz. Uh, I say this, even as a Republican, she has had a, a fantastic tenure as DA. Uh, she has a person who reaches across the aisle who is nonpartisan and has certainly not on the side of the crazies who want to disband the justice system. And uh, Ina Vernikoff, a Republican, we have Republican primaries, and this is you know, really where I want to comment. Ina Vernikoff, a very, very super talented in Southern Brooklyn, scored an upset victory two years ago against Steve Saperstein. Uh, nobody, a lot of people didn't see it coming, but a super talented member of the city council being challenged by a really no name, no profile type of, this is like a Russian community grudge match between Ina and Greg Davidson, who is a big power broker down in Southern Brooklyn, who runs his own candidates. And uh, I don't know what to say other than the fact that Ina super talented. She has really, really taken issues of anti-Semitism, particularly at CUNY, which is a huge, huge problem, as we well know, SUNY University of New York. In fact, CUNY yesterday, the Faculty Congress, this is the Faculty Union at CUNY, voted to endorse Charles Barron. That's the anti-Semite who serves in the New York City Council and has served in the Assembly and then switches back and forth. Has Charles Barron, in order, <clears throat> in his primary, even though his history of anti-Semitic, outright racist statements, anti-white, anti-Semitic statements, and they voted to endorse him for re-election, which is amazing when you think about it. These are the teachers of our next generation. And Ina has made CUNY a big, big priority for her, issues of anti-Semitism. She speaks out, and you should certainly vote for her if you live in Southern Brooklyn, of course, if you've decamped already for the Catskills or for uh, the Jersey Shore. Hopefully you will, uh, in the next day or two, make it back to Brooklyn somehow to go ahead and either vote early or vote by absentee ballot. And I think that this one is worth commenting, which is the Borough Park race, Borough Park and Flatbush race, just in the adjacent district, a Republican primary between Common Yeager, the incumbent, City Councilman Common Yeager, and Heshi Tischler, and a fellow orth uh, Orthodox Republican activist remarked to me this week that there is one Republican in the race. And I was kind of curious that there was a Republican in the race because this is actually a race between two Democrats. Now, one of them might be a registered Democrat and one might be a registered Republican, meaning Tischer re-registered himself as a Republican in order to run in this race. But this is a guy who has run in the Democratic primary several times, I mean, to no success at all. But as recently as last year, he was running as a Democrat. So I don't understand what makes him a Republican other than the fact that he calls himself that. And this man, unfortunately, is a walking Hashem. There's nothing really, I mean, I don't even know what else to say other than the fact that you should, this is a continued promotion of his radio show, which more power to him, he should continue to have it, but he has no sense of responsibility towards anything, and he, you should not vote for a man like Heshi Tischler. Uh, I don't even understand, you know, he doesn't have the backing of the Republican Party or the Conservative Party. He isn't a Republican or a conservative, and in any real sense, it's unclear as to actually what he stands for on any issue whatsoever, except for promoting himself. And Kalman Yeager is a strong voice on anti-Semitism, on issues of the community. He's a longtime activist. He's been there. He shows up, and 
he is a reliable voice in the city council for the community. Uh, if there's any question about it, I think just consult your local rub or your local activist or whatever it is. I don't know we know else to say, uh, but do not vote for a man like Heshi Tischler. It, it really, if you want to make your the firm community look bad, then you need to look no further than somebody like Heshi Tischler. Okay, let's talk about the Donald Trump interview with Brett Baer. I, I don't know what else to say other than, wow, it was a great interview. Uh, I think, you know, he actually took the president to task because I do think that, you know, Donald Trump is a super talented, charismatic politician. But I think at this point, w- w- the party needs to move on. I know a lot of people won't move on. But if you did, if you do think that it's time to move on, this interview tells you nothing. Uh, it tells you everything about that. In fact, uh, uh, look, still arguing about an election that was held three years ago is uh, – I don't just understand how that's good politics. I don't know where that gets you. I don't know what it gets you. Um, we're still looking at the ballots. That's what he says. I mean I don't think that anybody should be running that on that platform in 2024 or in 2023 for that matter. It, it's just over. The 2020 election is over. It's been litigated. It happened. There is no evidence whatsoever. They had the order. They had the cyber ninjas go in in Arizona, and they didn't find anything. And it seems that you have to go ahead and hold to these conspiracy theories in order to make, in order to run in today's Republican Party, which is shocking. Uh, as far as the documents are concerned, I don't know. I mean, President seemed to admit that he not only. He not only withheld the documents, he willfully withheld them, and he withheld them after a grand jury subpoena because he was too busy to go through them. I don't know about the defense of saying I couldn't comply with the court order or with the subpoena, for that matter, from a federal grand jury that was done not necessarily by prosecutors, but by a grand jury, meaning the people, and to say I was too busy. I had to take my golf shirt out, my pants out. I, I... I'm sure it sounds to a lot of people, wow, that sounds, yeah, that sounds reasonable. He should have had time to take his stuff out. But he left the White House two and a half years ago. I mean, it's not, and that was one and a half years. You have people working for them, for you. Let them do it. I mean, where do we have a justice system that doesn't go ahead and do that? And, you know, getting to the justice system, uh, let's, you know, Hunter Biden, I, you know, I think that. I, I understand the president, meaning President Biden, not wanting to condemn his son. But come on. Come on. Come on, man, as he would say. I mean, you got to say that this guy, yes, he's troubled. Yes, he had a drug problem. Yes, yes, yes. All that. But you got to at least admit somebody in the White House has to admit that Hunter Biden has been an albatross around this administration. And... Yes, he's reformed. Yes, everything. But <laughs> it's at best problematic. Let's just put it that way. I mean, look, a lot of people for white collar crimes are not going to jail. And, you know, in many cases, they shouldn't. I don't know that Hunter Biden represents a danger to society, but I do think he has to really hide himself in a way because it's just a symbol of corruption. And is that what the Democrats want? You know, they accuse that, well, the Trump family profits like this. Jared Kushner profits like this. 
well, Hunter Biden. I mean, it's it's just an ongoing theme. So you can't, no party, and I say this all the time, no party really has the high ground on really much, on very much anything. Uh, I'm just shocked that it's just, this has gotten on and without a significant amount of damage control, that was definitely necessary over time. Uh, well, that leads us to this impeachment resolution that's coming from Lauren Boebert and I have no idea how you go ahead and throw an impeachment out there at this point. Yeah, I don't even think that it was probably a great idea to have the Ukraine impeachment at the time, and that was it. But come on. This is just when you can't get regular order legislation passed in Congress, you're going to throw an impeachment in there. Yes, they're censuring Adam Schiff, and somebody wanted him to pay $16 million for Yeah, he probably deserves that. I mean, I don't know. The censure... It probably should be reserved for for real crimes, and I can't say necessarily that Adam Smith committed one, but he probably should be slapped down for what he does. Of course, it's probably going to help him in the California Democratic primary that he's running for Senate. But having said all that, I don't know. This this just does not seem like good politics, good policy, or very much at anything. Right now, they need to concentrate on keeping the government open past September 30th. So it's going to be quite a wild ride this summer for our friends in Washington. And with that, I will bid you a farewell. Uh, Please vote on Tuesday, the 27th. If you live in a place with a primary, it's really important. (coughs) Excuse me. Do not discount the uh, in a low turnout primary, which could be several hundred votes. Don't discount the importance of of your vote. And once again, congratulations to Aroni Parnas and Tammy Rose on winning election as uh, my successors to the Lawrence Village Board. That's it for Spin Class here on the Nachum Siegel Network. See you next week.